Hello, everyone. This is Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Join us as we reveal how you can become the master of your reality. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Jaco with Unleashing Intuition Secrets, joined today by Aaron Spradlin. He's the founder of Mission America Foundation and president and CEO of Pale Horse Global Risk and Security, private security consulting firm. He's got a really nice background. I love uh, military guys. It's 25 years of experience collectively obtained during his military career and in the private sector. Uh, he's a former U.S. Armored Paratrooper. Aaron served with the 82nd Airborne Division, the 20th Special Forces Unit, and with the 16th Cav. Really, really good background. He's done uh, security details for Billy Bob Thornton, Luke Bryan, and Jason Aldean, Marsha Blackburn, Lindsey Graham, John McCain. And also in 2021, he founded, uh, co-founded the Mission America Foundation, it's 5013C, dedicated to empowering military veterans to utilize their specialized skill sets to help eradicate child trafficking. He has made it his lifelong mission to rescue child trafficking victims and see to it that their perpetrators are brought to justice. Fantastic. Aaron, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Uh, very happy to be here. Yeah, this is a great honor. So, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, talked about this for a long time uh, with a lot of different people. You're one of the few people that is really active and actually doing the investigative work and discovering, you know, child traffickers and so forth. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your background in the military and kind of like, you know, walk us through, you know, how it led to you, this area of your life. It's it's really interesting, you know, and I, I love to start this off with shock and awe. I started my life as an opera major with a minor in dance, and that's 100%, 100% the truth. I was going to be on Broadway, and wow, <laughs> I had nice. another plan. God had another plan for me, and uh, in 97, I, I raised my hand to join the Army, and off I went uh, with the ultimate goal of being a lifester, you know, staying in the 20, maybe longer, depending on how high I climbed. And in 2001, uh, my wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer, mm. and so um, uh, we uh, we ended that military career quickly um, with, a, with a hardship discharge to come back to Nashville and take care of her. I had spent two years as a weekend husband, uh, instructing up at Fort Knox and then driving to Nashville every weekend um, to try to maintain a you know a marriage, and, uh, and uh, God had a different plan, so He pulled me out. And the better part of that entire story is stage four cervical cancer, no children, and uh, a year later she's cancer free. He's six five and two hundred and forty five pounds, Division one tight end. God is great. You know, uh, but the point was to get me out, I think. You know, you never know God's plan. Um, so in that, you know, I kind of got lost in the world a little bit. I didn't know what I was supposed to be. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I ended up falling into the world of contracting. Yep. Um, you know, some of the procurement stuff, all the way to boots on the ground, still have my sub to my subcontracting to Homeland Security and international extradition. Um, I did a lot of work in that realm in 2009. I started Pale Horse. And uh, oddly enough, I wanted to see how the big world worked in contracting. So I took a contract overseas and worked at the embassy, attached to the State Department in Kabul, yeah. and uh, learned how to 
you know, if, if I was going to do it, I wanted to be able to do it and treat men and women the way they needed to be treated to be on the ground, not just as a commodity. Yep. And then uh, in 2016, God decided to introduce me to uh, human trafficking. Um, I was in my dry sauna at my gym, and all of a sudden I got a goosebumps from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and sort of had a, a very visual um, out-of-body experience and it took me to Iraq. And um, I'm in Iraq, and um, I don't know why I'm there, but we're not audible. All your resources, all your training, you save my people. And for the longest time, I thought, well, I say long, it moved quite quickly. Um, I thought I was supposed to rescue Christians from persecution from ISIS because in that day, that was really big. You know, they're, yeah. they're running roughshod across the Middle East, tearing down monuments and killing Christians. And within um, about six months, well, within the first two and a half weeks, the mission was clear that it was it was to help save children. Within six months, I was working undercover in South America um, with an organization international, and it's been the mission ever since. But in that, I was uh, I was sitting in Dominican. We were doing a, an operation in Dominican, and I was looking at the global statistics. I had some downtime. And I'm, I'm like, man, why do I have to go to Peru or the Dominican or Haiti? Honduras, so Romania. I can go to Williamson County, Tennessee. I don't have to travel because we are so overwhelmed with it here in the United States. And that's when the mission really started um, from the domestic side. And I still contracting a little bit uh, with the other entity just to understand the structures, understand how it works from, let's say, a cartel base to an organized crime in the United States base and different gangs that are running this. And and then I started my path of liaising with law enforcement entities. Right. Because, you know, when they, they see a vet coming out there with a group of other vets, all of, all of a sudden they think you're a vigilante group and you're out there, you know, to, to raise hell. And, and that wasn't what we were doing at all. Yeah. We were just gathering actionable intel, packaging it up and being able to deliver it to the entities that could take it to the next step. Because now they have probable cause and and Good. they can actually start working and developing their own cases. And since then, that's been our life. And um, there's there's nothing more important in my world than this. And I think that, you know, if I retired at 50, I'll do this until they put me in the ground uh, just because it's that important and it's growing exponentially around the planet and especially here in the United States. So that's how uh, we got yeah. there in the Reader's Digest version. That's that's amazing. That's that's quite a little background. You know, I've been um, I was security contractor for quite some time. Worked for CIA, and you know, a lot of places you've probably been running around in. Uh, so that kind of opened my eyes uh, a little bit. You know, that world that you're talking about, uh, seeing it from a, a bigger picture. You know, in the military, we kind of like uh, secluded away from all that stuff. We're just kind of focused on you know mission and and so forth. But when I went CIA, I started to see the bigger picture. Of, of a lot of this stuff. Uh, and then once I started these shows, I had all kinds of different guests come on and we started talking about all this stuff and it really opened my eyes like, like you are, or I'm sure going to do here in a little bit. So, uh, you know, what, what you're talking about as far as like the United States, you're like, why am I going outside of the United States? You know, cause there's, there's tons of it here. Now I've heard ev pretty much every single town in the United States is, mm -hmm. is probably, child trafficking and has problems within many homes and, and so forth could give us, give us kind of the, the bigger picture on that, you know, kind of 
stuff you've been seeing. So that, so what I do is I like to break it down a little bit of a timeline from when we began and then how it grew here. Okay. So Perfect. globally, when I started this in 2016, 1.2 million children were being trafficked around the world. Now, of course, that's an international statistic. It can ebb and flow. We know that. That's what we know of, right? 1.2 million. Um, currently, there are 40 million slaves around the world right now that are, that are doing something against their will, whether it's sexual or it's labor, right? And of those, 10 million of them are now children. So mm. that's quite a jump in that little bit of time from 2016 to 2023. Um, and of course, the money went up. When we started, it was a $30 billion industry. Now it is a $150 billion industry and climbing. Wow. So when you break that down to the United States, um, they want to say that, you know, we have like 400, 500,000. Now we have about 1.5 million children that are being trafficked in the United States that we know of. Jesus. Okay, I always got to come back to that because these are, these come in from tip lines, whether it be through the National Center, uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited, um, FBI statistics, um, Homeland statistics. And then, of course, now you have the U.S. border. And that fluctuation. So in 2018 until 2020, you averaged about 14,750 unaccompanied minors coming across the border every year. From 2022 March to 2023 March, 150,000 unaccompanied minors came across the United States border. Now, that's the ones again that we can count. I, I decided about five months ago to take a little trip to the border and look at some of the gaps. There are massive gaps, and and it's not walls. I mean, walls are a great idea. Trump train wall is one thing, but you can you can't build a wall on a reservation. And unfortunately, some of these reservations are thoroughfares for um, the trafficking of children and women and men to come through. And the wall only does so much. So if you say one hundred and fifty thousand unaccompanied minors came across, I'm guessing, and I mean, I'm this is spitballing. Add another 100,000 to that. Right. So now you have 250,000 children that have come across the border unaccompanied. Where do they go? Right. They're here for a reason because they're coming across by a mule. They're being handed off to another mule and they're disappearing into the the backdrop of America and they're doing whatever. Now, here's the, the real kicker to that. Everybody wants to talk about the border. 83% 83% of the children trafficked in the United States of America are American children. Oh my 83. God. That's not mine. That's Homeland's statistic. 83% of the children trafficked in the United States are our own children. Now, that'll fluctuate a little bit, obviously, with 150,000 coming across, but we're still going to be 80%. So these are our children that are being trafficked. If there's 1.5 million, 2 million children in America that are being trafficked, a child's sold for sex every two minutes in the United States somewhere every two minutes and that's either you know a runaway population a kidnapped population families selling their own children which is a thing that happens uh, unfortunately here in east tennessee and and you know some of the lower economic areas they're selling their own children for meth their own children for rent and they they make more children just so wow. that they can prosper and and this is a real thing that's happening and not only you know the metropolitan areas of the country but it's happening in, in the impoverished, area, impoverished areas of our country because it's a means of survival. And that's why it's so prevalent in the third world, because they use it as a survival tool. They only have so many jobs in the third world. 
And then you have rich white guys that come in and buy it up, you know, coming from the United States. I mean, whenever I went undercover in another country, I didn't even have to ask anybody. They came to me because you portray yourself as a very affluent um, American and they come to you. Hey, what do you need? You need a boy, you need a girl, you need cocaine, you need weed, you want some ayahuasca. What do you want to do? We're here for you. We're a concierge. We're going to give you whatever you want, rich white guy, because you're the person that's doing it. Mm. And that's the same here. You know, um, I, I did something one time. I had a little investigation I was doing in a very low income part of, of Nashville. And when I got over to this hotel, there were 19 cars in the park. There were shooting 17 park cars in the parking lot. Nine of them were from the seventh richest county in America, which I just happened to live in. And they would have no reason to be in that area if it wasn't for nefarious activities. Oh my God. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's that much everywhere. And like you said, every county. So I took it from the US, let's bring it into a Tennessee picture where I live. When I started, 76 out of 95 counties reported traffic over the age of 13. Now 95 counties out of 95 counties have reported the traffic over the age of 13 in the state of Tennessee. Six. Now these are very small counties. Oh, it's massive, but it's it's a way for them. It becomes a product. It's no different to cat than cattle with some of these people. Mm. And, you know, um, the Sound of Freedom did a really good job of putting it on the map, right? That this is a thing. Yeah. Mel Gibson's about to drop something big about Romania and Cravey and Moldova. That's another big thing that's going to put on the map. But nobody's talking about America. Yeah. At the end of the movie, it says we're the number one consumer on the planet in the United States. Wow. What would lead you to believe it's not happening here? Yeah. There was about uh, two years ago, I did a uh, show with Burgess Owens, who's a representative in uh, Utah. And I know he was saying back then that we have a bigger problem with, uh, you know, child trafficking and also with, um, uh, you know, people that are slaves than any time in history right now. And that was two years ago. So I'm sure it sounded sounds like from your perspective, that's that's blown up even more. Now I see on your uh, your website. Let me let me pull this up so people can see this. You have a have a real nice uh, website. Uh, so right here, you you did a looks like you did a little event or speaking with um, uh, Candace Owens and uh, presidential candidate Vivek uh, Ramaswamy. So uh, tell us a little bit about how the Congress is and the the political realm is getting involved because this is really you know where we need this to get going. Well, I will say. Uh... I'm very fortunate in the state that I live in to have some of the representation that we have. All right, so let's start with our one of our state senators, which is Marsha Blackburn, a very prevalent senator up there on the Hill. Marsha was very instrumental in the shutting down of Backpage. So Backpage basically was the Walmart of what's bad and you want to order, right? And so she was, uh, I think she was co-sponsored to that particular bill that shut down Backpage. She's very anti-traffic which is very helpful because she just happens to be my senator and lives in the same town that I live in. And I've got about a decade of uh, relationship with her administration, whether it be when she was in U.S. Congresswoman to now a U.S. Senator. Um, Congressman Mark Green. Congressman Mark Green is, uh, of course, a former ranger. Um, he is a, uh, a doctor, but more importantly, now he is the chair of Homeland Security's um, uh, committee in the house. So when we do our little bits of in, of national border look, we like to feed that back to our good buddy up there. And now we also have Congressman Andy Ogles, who has taken over my district 
who spent some, a great deal of time in other countries working in anti-trafficking before he got to Congress. And of course, Ted Cruz has been instrumental in eating Mayorkas alive and his failures on the border. And and there are many more that are out there, but on the other side of that, let, let's, let's, let's jump real quick to McAllen, Texas. So Governor Abbott said McAllen, Texas is the number one thoroughfare for child trafficking into the United States. Now, what's interesting to me is that the congressional leader from that district just so happened to be the former defense attorney for the cartel. And now he's in Congress and he's running the McAllen district. The judge ran unopposed and the DA ran unopposed. So now you have a political structure that's helping funnel this in. If you look at the crime statistics in McAllen, Texas, which I, I've been, it, it's like they took Rodeo Drive, dumped it into the middle of Haiti because it's all po- impoverished. And then you have the mall area and the mansion area. It's all Bugattis, it's Gucci, it's Prada, and it's all cartel. And wow. now you have a congressional leader sitting on top of the doorway. How do you get around that, right? And the DA yeah. and, the, and the judge. Of course, we make a lot of enemies when we have these conversations, but, you know, what the heck? There is a, a way to start to stifle this, but we cannot do it under the current administration. Um, under the former administration, 45, they had a heck of a task force going after this on the national level. We have reached out because I have another organization that I chair that is more on the policy side of doing things. And so we have uh, we have been able to be in contact with 45's uh, policy director trying to shift the focus. Of course, you saw that we were with Vivek, and so we white papered Vivek, we white papered Trump, we white papered. Uh, I think there's one more in there that we sent a white paper to on the national statistics that nobody wants to focus on. And I know that uh, we were having one that's almost finished for Congressman Green, also um, to to be a part of uh, uh, some kinds of legislation that really starts to drop the hammer on not only the ones that are uh, perpetrated, but the ones that are also the Johns. If you get rid of the demand, you can get rid of the supply. And our country is so saturated with evil right now that this this is kind of just overlooked. I mean, you're, you're a society where everybody wants to torture children right now. When I say everybody, obviously people that see the world different than you and I. But, that, I mean, if you're going to cut off pieces of their body, why wouldn't you have any problem raping them? And, you know, that's just pure evil. There's no R, there's no D. It's good versus evil. And right now we're covered up in it. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, I, I work with some guys. Uh, they're actually in your location. Maybe maybe we can do a show together. But um, uh, th- they say that from uh, Arizona, there's a lot of, uh, you know, trafficking that's going through there. And the money actually is coming to your location. Uh, in Tennessee to basically buy up politicians so that they can start to uh, do more activity there. So we know we know that, you know, the governorship of uh, Arizona was stolen from Kerry Lake. That's, that's absolute. But, uh, you know, what what are you seeing? Because I, I, Trump was no no question. Trump was probably the greatest president in history uh, for going after uh, child trafficking. Uh, so where do you see this administration uh, and the some of the stuff that's hanky panky that's going on. What do, what do you think about all that? Well, well, let's go back to the the individual that I'm pretty certain you're speaking of. I have I have sat in his secure location and looked at all of that data, and and seen the past, 
and uh, we have a different approach to how we do things. But um, he's he's definitely um, on a trap. Let's just put it that way. Um, but he, uh, we'll leave him out of that equation. But I haven't seen all of that data. It all ties to something, right? And yeah. what do you do with anything, whether it be Al Qaeda or ISIS? You follow the money. Um, whether it be the cards, you follow the money. And whether it be politicians, you follow the money. Yeah. And, you know, if you continue to put money in the pockets of people that are corrupt, you keep them in power, you don't see any of this change. Now, yeah. uh, we have two targets that we look at. I say targets because they are targets. Um, that we want to see all that are here in the state of Tennessee that are Soros funded um, or somebody else funded uh, to keep them in a place where the prosecuting is not happening. The reason our numbers have went up so high in national is because our DA is dirty as my shoot. It's just, yeah. it's it's proven and nobody will get rid of it. And that obviously ties into some of the pieces that our friend has. And um, if that money's flowing through real estate, shell companies, and, right. you know, certain amount of cocaine and children are being sold and that money's coming into packs that are putting people in power. I mean, if you follow it all the way back, you can see it. Um, I have a little disagreement. Not everybody's bad. I, I've been on a couple shows where I've, I've had disagreements that all they, all politicians are bad. No, I don't think they all are. The problem is they're only one vote. You know, they, they can only, um, they can only manipulate uh, well, their buddies to vote their way with selling their soul. You know how it works. My back, your back, then I'll go ahead and vote yes for you, but you got to vote yes for me. And that yes may not be something that you necessarily re-roll, but you stand behind your bills so hard, you needing them to vote yes. And that's why the system says screw that. Because, you know, if, if I have 33 members of the state senate in Tennessee, and of course they're very, very supportive of us here, uh, the entire General Assembly has been very instrumental in some of the things that we've been a part of in legislation over the last year and a half. And going into 2024, it's going to be even stronger just in anti-trafficking because of something we had passed here in the special session. And so you know there are good ones there. It's just weaning through to find them. And, you know, it's such a system. I, lo I lobbied Congress once in 2011. I had to take two showers when I left because it was so covered up with dirt and he's coming out of the swamp. Um, I, I believe that maybe, you know, let's, let's say five out of every 10 are good since a 50-50. But that doesn't give you the majority because that one over, goes over 51 or 51 to 49 and we lose. And, you know, if we have a super majority, maybe we see a change. If we get the slip back, which I pray that we do, and we get, you know, uh, 45 in there, I think we'll be fine. But once again, that's only four years. If he wins, it's only four years. We still have until I die and then our kids die. Well, I mean, we got another hundred years of this mess, you know, to try to cut all back the chaos that's been built from who knows when it started. I mean, you know, trafficking goes all the way back to when Rome couldn't support their soldiers anymore. And they told them to go into the villages, kill the men and sell the women and children. I mean, this has been around. And now we have the Internet. And that makes it so much easier. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, um, so it's it's grown, and there's a lot of push pushback on it, but it continues to grow uh, exponentially. So, what where do you? I know we get the politicians. Maybe we expose them. Uh, that doesn't seem to be having much of an effect. Um, the law enforcement are getting more involved. This is this is a process. You know, taking down like you talked about 
Soros-funded uh, DAs and, and so forth. Now, do you think the uh, the World Economic Forum, uh, is, is it a bigger, um, you know, picture as far as like a crime, is it crime syndicate with the World Economic Forum as far as like, you know, using that as trial tra- human and child trafficking and so forth? I do. Wow. Let me give you a, I, 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 I'm going to say this because I'm going to lay focus on America and then take that to the global. Okay. So from 1980 to 20, or in 1980 to 2000, what did we have in the United States? We had the global, we had the war on drugs. We had the war on drugs. When Nancy and Ronnie were sitting in the White House and say no to drugs, say no to drugs. And what was happening that whole time? Hundreds of thousands of tons of cocaine are being brought into the United States and Arizona. They, they, I mean, the movie is pretty accurate of what was really happening. A lot of that's been declassified. And so now we're, we're feeding the, uh, we're feeding the problem, right? But there's money being made out. Where that money goes, you and I don't know, or maybe you and I have a good idea. And then from 2020, or from 2020, what did we have? You and I ran through the global war on terror, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were in Afghanistan, did you burn any poppy fields? Uh, I wasn't a, I was involved in that in a different way because we had a guy that was former uh, Vietnam that was, uh, he was an older guy, obviously, and he came over and he was involved in, he wanted to, he wanted to know where all of the, um, guys with the poppy fields were, the, the drug lords. And we're like, we're looking for terrorists. What do you, what do you want to know about? We don't care about that. But he got his own team and they started working with those guys. So it, it's, you know, all the way. I find it interesting. <laughs> I find it interesting that from twenty from two thousand to twenty twenty, we have a massive opioid epidemic in the United exactly. States right now. Now, from twenty twenty on, we found a product that's more lucrative. Children, if I sell you a bag of dope, now this was said in the movie, but I take it a little farther. If if uh, if I sell you a bag of dope, what do I have to do? I got to go buy more dope. If I sell you a ten year old, ten times a day for one hundred and fifty dollars a pop, and I've got twenty of those ten year olds. I can run that victim from 10 years old till 17, 18. And if they're still capable, I'll just make myself another product. Mm. Mm. I now have a, now I have livestock. I mean, that's the way they look at it. Yeah. And now I have an unlimited supply of product and nobody to stop me. And that is, I mean, Pretty lucrative. Now, now do you, that's, that's, that's beautiful you bring that up. Do you think that's why we walked away from Afghanistan, why this administration walked away from Afghanistan like they did? I think they walked away from Afghanistan to cause an absolute, uh, let's see, I don't know what kind of show we're on, cluster in the world, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, for instance, right now, we're finding Colt M4s laying on the ground in the Gaza. Yeah, good point, yeah. Now, how did they get there? We lost 250,000 weapons in Afghanistan that happened to just so happened to pass through Benghazi and ended up in the hands of some really bad people doing some really bad things. Yes. And what did we have in common during both of those things? Obama and Biden. Good point. Good point. And some of those weapons have actually found their way across the border from us in the United States and some of those drug cartels. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what. You know, I, I listened to um, I listened to DeSantis. He was on a radio show right after me here in Nashville, probably four months ago, and they were talking about how he would handle the border. 
And he said that he would put the troops on the border and he'd shut the border down immediately. Now, here's the only way that you win that. You would have to pull all of Soft and all of Spec War and all of Marshock and put them on the border. Because the way that the Jaliscos are training right now, they're a Delta hit team. Wow. I mean, they are getting trained by special forces from other countries. ISIS is teaching them how to build IEDs. And that's happening five miles across the southern border. And and they they videotape it and put it out into the world. Hey, you can't touch us. Can you imagine if we put the National Guard on the border? God forbid. I mean, they try oh, they get eaten out. Yeah. Train, but mm. they'd be slaughtered. You only have a couple options to protect the border, and it's all you have to do with tier one and and a bunch of guys that have got a lot of salt left. And, you know, you, you take the contractors, take, you know, our old work and and the guys that are no longer in Afghanistan, no longer in Iraq. I mean, we got a handful in Israel that are private and a handful in Syria. We don't have a lot of guys out there. I mean, we have a lot of guys sitting on the ground that could go to work right now securing the border and fall under homeland. It's a very simple fix. It's going to cost a little money, but I bet it's cheaper than the wall. Hello, this is Michael Jaco. If you want to learn more on how to unleash your own intuition, go to michaelkjaco.com, unleashingintuition.com, where you can find my courses on how to become the master of your own reality. That's a good point. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was seeing guys, you know, that were leaving the SEAL teams and they would come back and they're all, all jacked up on something, you know, and, uh, but they, they had a lot of money and they were like, you know, inviting me like, Hey, if you want to go down South, you know, you're, we need a, we need a 60 guy like you, an automatic weapons guy. And you can make a lot of money. You make like 10 times what you're making now. And I was like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> I, got, I got integrity. I don't, I don't want any of that part of that, but that was like 40, 40 years ago. So I, I agree with you. That's been a long time. So the, those guys probably have a lot of people down there that have been training them and all that kind of stuff. But since then, excellent point. Well, I mean, we create, I mean, from the American standpoint, we created the Zeta. Mm. It's, if I'm not mistaken, it was either, it was Ranger Bat or one of the SF um, groups that went down to help train these people to combat the cartels. And then they became a powerful cartel. Because we taught, we taught them all our tactics. And we did, which is even crazier. And then, now, to put in perspective how powerful the Jalisco is, the Jalisco pretty much runs the Zeta now and the Sinaloa because they're so brutal and they're so powerful. And when you run that, I mean, Mexico's a narco state. And there's no way to change it. And it's sitting right down at the bottom of our country and they're flowing through by the tens of thousands and they're not counting. I was, I was talking to a Border Patrol agent on an internal checkpoint north of McAllen, and I said, if we can give you anything in the world to help you with your job, what would it be? And he said, more people. And he said, let me give you an example. Now, this was a smuggler's checkpoint, all right? And 277 miles of borders from Laredo to McAllen, there were only six checkpoints. That's a big hunk of land for six checkpoints, and one internal for smugglers. So that means in 34,000 square miles in the Rio Grande Valley, there's seven complete checkpoints. He said, if somebody walks 200 yards away from me, I can't leave my post to go over and see who they are. Is it, is it people that are looking for a better life? Is it trafficking? Is it Al-Qaeda? Is it the Chinese? Who is it? I can't tell you because I can't leave my post. And that's terrifying when you think about what's coming across because they're funding 
or they're the recipients of funds of all of this. So let's go back to domestic. Right now, the cartels are running the lower-lying gangs. So let's say the MS-13, the Brown Pride, the Latin Kings, um, that's, if I did I say gangster disciples, the gangster disciples, um, and the Crips and the Bloods. So they do all the grunt work. They're out on the streets. They get more. They get more in their stable for more brutal crimes they commit. So if I go out and kill somebody, they give me two more girls that I'm allowed to sell. It, it, it's crazy how the structure works. And when you don't have DAs that will prosecute, your law enforcement's not going to go out there and take down a trap house, you know, with 15 girls in it. Because as soon as they get into a gunfight, then the next thing you know, it's a hate crime because they're being prosecuted for doing their job. You're they're, Every one of them are hamstrung. They, they don't have the support, nor do they have the resources to do this um, in a way that's going to be effective, which is a lot of what we do on the policy side. We want law enforcement to get more money. We want to be able to teach them or bring in subject matter experts to teach them what to look for, how the system works, how the structure works, how to cut off the head. And I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of support from some of our friends in HSI, and I have a lot of support from some of our friends, some of our friends um, with the marshals and the DEA. Um, but but they, they're, I mean, everybody wants to put a black eye on the FBI. The FBI and the people in the streets doing the work are in the streets doing the work. The, the, the hierarchy is what's holding them down. Yeah, yeah. And the hierarchy, why? Because they're being held accountable by the administration. Yeah. Because administration as, as is as part of it. Yeah. 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 And so um, how they're getting, if they're getting, I don't know, you know, is the money trickling all the way up to, to Sleepy Joe? I don't know. I doubt it. But it's protecting him. You know, especially if Soros doesn't change any of that. Yeah, and I have to. He was—he's one of the most evil human beings ever walked the earth, and his son's worse than he is. I know. Now, uh, now, when I left uh, the special forces, the SEAL teams, uh, I was part of, uh, you know, the pretty much the, the head shed, you know, working on, uh, you know, stuff that was going on down in South America. Uh, we already knew when I left, well over twenty years ago, uh, almost twenty-three years ago, that Hezbollah was already moving down into South America. Uh, majorly and uh, in government and, you know, money and arms and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, I mean, we're seeing Hezbollah, you know, on the Israeli border. I was, I was in Beirut. Those guys are no joke. They're, they're yeah. bad, bad hombres. Uh, and, and having them down in South America, we were really concerned and we were starting to, you know, gather information on that. So what, what are you seeing as far as, uh, you know, the, the larger Hezbollah and stuff down in there, down in South America, doing the, not only drug trafficking, but human trafficking. Well, so, um, I'll take it from the North American side of that. Um, they've already moved in. Mm. They're already here wow. and they've been here. And what's interesting, and, and for your audience, you can literally Google, Google, not no, no crazy, you know, classified, whatever you can Google. Right. Radical Islamic training facilities in the United States on the FBI webpage. Wow. They tell you they know they're here. Yeah. And what do they do? They do anything in the world to generate revenue so that they can further their cause, whether that be weapons, training, explosives, etc. And if you have something as easy as trafficking, it's easy right now. It's harder to sell weapons and harder to sell drugs than it is to, hard to sell a child. 
because we we have an idea how to look for weapons, we have a better idea how to look for drugs. But at the end of the day, nobody's really put their finger on how to chop the trafficking, right? And back to the point, it's very very lucrative. Why would I why would I risk moving weapons from point A to point B or moving drugs from point A to point B when all I got to do is sit down in Laredo and wait on my shipment of twelve new victims to come across, or come to Tennessee where we have six hundred runaways a month. And 10% of them fall victim to trafficking. So now I got 720 new products that I've just gathered up and now I'm selling and I'm generating revenue. And then I make that money. I send it over to a little money station in Murfreesboro Road in Nashville and I ship it back home so that it can refuel the machine and come back and run that cycle and run that cycle and just build up internally on us here. I mean, I, I just had a very in depth conversation about the threat to the United States right now with the pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, and all of the things that we may have here already. Um, if they were there 21 years ago, and ISIS is there right now, that means they're all here already. And like I said, you can go to the website at the FBI or Homeland, then they'll show you where the camps are. Why are they there? That's a great question I've asked myself for the last 13 years. Why in the world are these places here? Why are we not shutting them down? Are we just watching, waiting on them to move, and then we'll take care of them? I mean, and they're brazen enough to put it out there. Oh, yeah, we know where they are. The why is the greatest question that I've had for 25 years. Why? Why are the mad people allowed to be bad people? Now I mean the why. Why are we letting children get raped 10 times a day? Mm. Why are we not taking the full weight and the power of the flag and dropping it. If, you, if we have 300, what is it? What's our what's our numbers here? 330 million, roughly, in the United States. Yep. Maybe one million people on this, in this country are doing this right now. Why don't we just crush it like an ant? Yeah. I mean, seriously, we are it's because, like we we're talking about, it's a money making thing, and the people that you know make that money have a lot of little you know people under them that protect them. Uh, whether it be in the judicial or in law enforcement or so forth. Now, I agree with you. The um, the FBI, when I was in uh, working with the CIA, the guys on the ground were absolutely phenomenal, risking their lives. You know, I had their backs. It was great, you know, giving them security and so forth. So forth. But um, uh, we knew, we were very frustrated because these things should not have gone on as long as they were. So there was someone that was holding us back. So do you see that with the law enforcement and so forth that you're working with right now? That they're being held back? Absolutely. Damn. Mm. Absolutely. You can, I mean, and, and then you also go to your services for the victims. That's another thing that's kind of being um, manipulated. Department of Children's Services, no matter what state you're in, they're maxed. They're maxed so that you can't take it anymore. We had we had three 14-year-olds we were trying to get the DCS here in Tennessee. Couldn't get them in because they were packed, right? Pass a nagged fiscal note and build some more facilities. Yeah. It's it, it and we're we're very lucky here. We have um, a massive rainy day fund in the state of Tennessee. And if you could just carve off ten percent of that, build three more facilities. Um, when I say I mean it's a billion plus in our rainy day fund in the state of Tennessee, where we are probably one of the best fiscally sound states in the United States. Mm. Carve off a little bit of that money so we have a place for the victims to go. You know what happened to those three girls? They went back to the streets. Oh my God. Because they had nowhere to go. They ran away from the safe houses they were in because it was easier for them to survive out there than using the process of getting healed. 
because now the families at a threat or have been threatened or they're hooked on some kind of a drug that they have to have, right? You know, um, heroin will eat you alive after one dose. Uh, I had a girl we got out of West Nashville. I had to go get her three times because she kept going back because she just needed the heroin. Right. She didn't care what they did to her because she had become so numb to it. Yeah. The heroin was driving everything. Uh, and I'm very happy to say after the third time, she's in her she's in her fourth year of, of being um, healthy and raising her daughter. She's an advocate. She's an animal uh, um, against this fight. But the point being is it was three times going in and having to take her away from some of the ugliest um, uh, surroundings you could possibly think of. And they're wanting to go back there because they need to not be sick from the heroin withdrawal. And, you know, meth is readily available anywhere. Crack, obviously. Heroin, obviously. And, and you know, the scary part, now people are dropping left and right because of the fentanyl. So, you know, now you're just losing the victim you'll get another one. Women are just disappearing off the streets in downtown Nashville. Um, and that's happening all over the country. But here is very prevalent because we've become the natural capital of America, even bigger than Vegas. And the predators know how to look for it. Wow. And they'll send in a gorgeous 21-year-old girl that works for them because now she doesn't have to sell herself anymore. She just has to go out and do that job. And she'll lure them right in and they're gone. And... And it happens all the time. And it happens in LA. It happens in major cities. A little more in the metropolitan than we have in the rural. Mm. Um, but there are other stories of college girls talking their girlfriends into doing some neck down nudes to make a little extra money. And the next thing you know, they go to a party. That girl gets brutally raped or she disappears and her friend gets paid. I mean, there's no soul to any of these people anymore. Yeah. And I mean, it's not, a, you know, it's not me beating on a, on a, a Bible here, but at the end of the day, it is. I mean, you have to put on the armor right now in this mess because we are in a spiritual battle like we've never seen. And, and I mean, I'm sure things have happened over the centuries, but we've never seen it like this before wow. in, in our generation. So I know you you recruit uh, people to come and help you. How how does that work out? So so two parts to the Mission America Foundation, right? As, as you and I both know, our suicide rates in the military are through the roof. That 22 has jumped to 44. Oh, and I just wow. had, a, I had, a, I had a guy that runs a really unique organization today that I, I heard speak. And he was given the real statistics and why. And, and one of the biggest reasons, PTSD is one thing. But when highly trained people come out of that life and get thrown to the wolves, what do they lose? They lose purpose and they lose mission. Yeah, yep. And it's amazing how fast a little bit of a purpose and mission can change everything in a trained warrior. So what we do is we recruit out of the communities, the people that we know can one have a level head, very important, right? Yeah. They have to know God. It's a very big deal. Uh, so you have to be a kingdom fighter or you can't be a part of it. I mean, one of the best door kickers I know in the world, I can't let him dance because he doesn't lead in God. It is what it is. Eventually he will. Um, but then we bring them in. We do a uh, we do a little ride along to show them the world that we live in, mm-hmm. and then we're twofold because you know um, having the private security firm, we have the ability to put guys to work, and then we pull out of that pool to support the Mission America Foundation. We, so they have to be able to be patient. They have to be able to understand surveillance, counter surveillance. We put them through a human course. We do a lot of things to get them ready 
then then we also put them through public speaking. They can go out there and they can do what I do. They can, they can go speak to organizations. They can talk to statistics. They can do the awareness. We have a program called SAFE, which is Situationally Aware, Fundamentally Empowered. We teach young girls how to defend themselves, Beautiful. not only this way, but from the cyber attacks, how the tablets and how the phones and how the how the grooming takes place, how to protect yourself. And we teach the parents how to get involved. So you give them a mission that's bigger than themselves. And in my opinion, against the greatest scourge on the planet. And, um, and, and once we know they're ready, we take them into the field. Mm. And when they're in the field, we have targets. We may be looking So say a kid runs away from national and we get the report from our Bureau of Investigation here. We think they may be running towards Chattanooga or towards Memphis. Well, we know where to go automatically because it's just like water. It's going to go to the lowest lying area, right? And so if it's going to the lowest lying area, I'm sorry for the noise. Um, if it's going to the lowest lying area, it's easy for us to find one. And then what you're doing now is you're looking for that particular person. But in the meantime, you're also working at the activities going on around it. You can already pinpoint if it's a gang or which gang it is by either their colors, their tattoos, or whatever it is about them to identify them. Then you can tie it to, okay, they're being ran by this particular organization. Now we know how they're trafficking. And this new runaway has a pretty good chance of falling into it. If you go to, say for instance, Chattanooga, Chattanooga immediately, as soon as somebody new comes into their area, they hit them with a drug. And once that drug hits, they own them. And, and so once you train the veterans, men or women, doesn't matter. Um, and and uh, to be honest with you, the women are ferocious. The women are ferocious in this fight. And, and they're, they're more patient than we are. They, they have an ability to sit longer than we can sit um, and be patient, waiting on that one thing. They understand surveillance. And in and, and your background, I'm sure there's been times you've trained people how to shoot. It's very frustrating how easy they can shoot and how much better they can shoot than we can when they're properly trained. But they are phenomenal in this fight. And you also use them as advocates, right? So the best thing to do when law enforcement doesn't take down, you always have an advocate on the ground that is a female that immediately comes to the victim mm -hmm. and whether you know, th th that veteran will have uh, some kind of a clinical therapeutic training. It may not be in as, as in depth as a, a bachelor's degree in it, but they'll have training that has been provided for them. So they know how to deal with trauma and rape trauma or uh, anything else on the like. And of course, the victim is going to come to a woman a lot faster than they're going to come yeah. to a man because all they've known for however long they've been involved in this is men are bad. And, yeah. and you know, um, I, I, had, I met a woman, she was 54 years old, who was a victim. She started when she was six. Oh my God. Mm. 54. She had went from being the sex victim to the madam to the labor. They had kept her in the system that long of her life. Which, you know, that's not anything new. 54 from six years old. Hmm. And so you have to, age doesn't matter. If you're willing to fight, the fight. If you're willing to be a voice. If you're willing to, you know, do public service and lots. And there's so many ways that, that people can get involved. The best thing to do is come to the website and I want to get involved. But in that box, tell a little bit about it. Drop your DD-214. Put a little history and, and um, that way we can get back to you and find out 
more about, you know, your background, what your intent is. Um, and right there, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And in that box right there, just put out what you want to do. And then we contact, and we talk. If you're in our area, we meet in person. If not, we'll meet via Zoom and we'll chat with you. And then um, if if you match what we're trying, and more importantly, if you're in an area that we're very focused on, we'll come to you and um, have that face-to-face. And then we'll go out into the areas you're in your region that we know of and and uh, and see, you know, how your organization, and then basically we, we put satellite um, options out there, if that makes sense. Yeah. So how... How how spread out are you guys? Uh, I know you're you're in Nashville area, but how, how many other locations are are you guys active in? Uh, officially, um, Nashville is home base. Mm-hmm. We have relationships in Florida. We have relationships in Arizona, Texas, um, Seattle, Ohio, and Michigan. Wow, Michigan, Michigan's horrible. Really, I mean the northern border, the flow over the northern border. Um, if it was possible, I would start putting places near the reservations. Um, the, the amount of young girls and they're missing off of the reservations right now are astronomical. Oh, um, one, you know, there's, there's no federal support, obviously. Um, there is corruption. It's such a poor world. I mean, there aren't any jobs you have to eat. So, I mean, it's no different than the third world with no oversight. And so if I could put somebody in Billings, Montana, I would put somebody in Billings, Montana right now because then you can start to see. But then again, you're going to go up head to head against tribal police, tribal council. They don't want you on the reservation. You're not going to get near it. I can't get on one. And I'm, you know, I'm probably, I'm not going to put the number on I got some Cherokee in there. Let's just say that. You know, I don't want to be misquoted. Oh, he said he had eight and he's only got seven because the attacks come, believe me. I get attacked left and right for nothing. Uh, and I had for some time just because, you know, when you fight the fight, everybody wants to discredit. Everybody wants to say this. I've been told in public speaking range, but you're lying until I put them in the truck and take them with me. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden the apology comes. Here it yeah. is. I mean, you can see it in plain sight and you don't realize it. It's like, you know, driving down the, or no, you remember the pictures we used to see when we were young? It just was a bunch of colors. And then all of a sudden you'd seen the Statue of Liberty. You know, I don't remember what that's called, but it's like that. It's right there around you. You don't. That, know yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, until you yeah. know it's there. It's like man trapping. You know, yeah. when you're taught cut and sign and all that stuff, and then all of a sudden you see it all. And yeah, trapping yeah. a deer becomes really easy after you bidding, uh, because you went through some training. Once you see it, you're like you can't unsee it. Yeah, you start so, to you see know, it because I was that way. You know, in the Middle East, you could see who the who the bad guys were pretty easily, and how to work around them and so forth. So I, I, I'm sure it's that way because I've heard from several people that they start saying this, 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 and that's what's going on here. I'm like, how do you see that? But, you know, you get involved with it. Like you're talking about, you you see the tracks, you see the, the type of people involved, and you see their their movements, their mannerisms, so forth. Uh, you start to pick that up. So uh, the, the last little bit we have left, give us kind of an idea because you've been brilliant. This is absolutely incredible what you're doing. Give us an idea of what a mission will be like in going in and who you contact and being involved and, you know, uh, like from you get a call, we got this going on, and then you guys get involved, go in and, you know, do surveillance, whatever, call it in, get to you. 
we get the you know probable cause here and the good guys come in and take care of business. Tell us how that works. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll do a simple one because this is yeah. the kind of thing that you can do anywhere, right? So, in every major city, you have somebody that tends to the homeless, right? Whether they're whether they're bringing food, whether they're bringing clothing, whether they're bringing socks, water, unfortunately, Narcan, they're bringing these things into a, into a community. Um, whether it be whether it be hotels, whether it be poor areas, or whether it just be homeless camps, right? So what we do as we get the word, hey, we believe that there are underage that are being trafficked in this location. We will come in as a part of the advocate team or of the mission. And so you see me, right? I'm here. I, I'm the only one you'll ever see um, because God gave me the order. And I don't think it's the responsibility of the families and of the men and women that support us to put their face out there unless right. they want to, yeah. right? So I don't necessarily get into that part of it, but I'm within a hundred meters of it, if you right. understand what I'm saying. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so now you're handing out food like Thanksgiving's coming, right? We will do feedings all over Tennessee to lower income areas. And while we're doing that, you know, you're feeding the turkey and the honey baked ham and serving the mashed potatoes. And the whole time you're running film and the whole time you're watching, the whole time you're going to every room, knocking on our door. Okay. Hey, is there anything else you need? Can we bring something back next week? And every door that opens, you're catching on film. So, for instance, one time in Jackson, Tennessee, we were doing a very similar, like I'm talking now. It was actually Christmas. And we knocked on a door. Probably a 55-year-old Latino man answered the door with a 14-year-old white girl. Okay? Didn't make sense. Not going to profile. You know what? I'm going to profile. If it walks like a duck, it's a duck. Right? It doesn't make sense. Right. So, we contacted JPD. JPD did a health and welfare health and welfare worked out because she wasn't supposed to be with him. She had been thinking. She kept trying to give us contact or signals of their eyes. We ignored it intentionally so that it wouldn't be right then. Because we don't have any power to do anything. If I take her, now I'm responsible for a kidnapping. Right, right. I can't prove, but when the health and welfare came, turned out the fact that he was a bad guy and she was a victim and it solved the problem. Right? So she yeah. went to immediately to an advocacy center, reconnected to the family, went back to where she came from, and her life went on. That is the easiest way for us. Nice. Now, there have been others where we've got um, we've got information. We've set up an entire surveillance, counter-surveillance platform, and then you reach out to the people you trust in law enforcement. Hey, I'm in this area for the next 36 hours. Am I stepping on anything you're working on? Yeah. Good. Um, whether it be the bureau or local PD, if they, and you call the ones you worked with, right? And so, um, no, you're not. But if you need us, let us know as soon as you land on something. But it, it started all the way back to our my my initial engagement with law enforcement. Hmm. Instead of coming into the world as an NGO or a nonprofit and saying, "This is what I'm going to do," my first question was, "What am I allowed to do?" And they say. Here's your left limit. Here's your right limit. Don't go outside of it. And let's go forward. And you have to understand the law in order to pull up the evidence, right? Absolutely. So there are certain things. If I trespass, I get a good defense attorney. It's out the window. So you have to stay within the parameters of a concerned citizen in order to give the lead. Now, if I'm on a, on a public street, I can see it from a public street. 
And in Tennessee, it's wonderful because it's one party state. I can record anything I want in the state of Tennessee, whether it be audio or visual. And so once I pick up what I need to pick up, I ring ring, whether it be to the, the anti-trafficking task force, whether it be to um, national mi missing and exploited, whatever hotline, whatever fusion center, I call that in and I say, here's what I have. And then I'll usually get called in. I'll dump what we have and they'll work with the prosecutor to realize or to figure out if they're going to have enough evidence to pursue. If they do, they get the judge. The judge gives them a subpoena. Then they put their entire surveillance package on that. And now you start working the case. And so that's how we work staying within the limits of, you know, would it be easier to do it like we do in South and Central America? Absolutely. Because when in those other countries, we're allowed to be the bag bag. We go in like we're buying. We go in like we're setting up a party, but we're working mm. with federal prosecutors. We're working with federal um, law enforcement that has invited us in, right? So yeah. it's a lot easier just to be the rich white guy that's coming in for the party. And when it all goes down, it's beautiful. I mean, they get arrested, we get arrested. They go to jail, we fly home. <laughs> and then we go to another country. Right. But it's, it's um, and I say that full disclosure because the entity that I worked with doing that, they said this a hundred times on how they operate now. And, but, you know, they, they say it, but they don't necessarily, the people in the third world aren't necessarily watching these particular videos. Um, you know, so a lot of the faces are shielded and, and I wouldn't put it out there. I wouldn't, but, um, that's what they chose to do. And that's how they did it. And that's why we work here. We try to stay as anonymous as we can. Yeah. We use our internal relationships with law enforcement, prosecutors, attorney generals, DAs that are worth a damn. That's who we work with. And, and it's so far it's worked out fairly well. We would love to be able to increase it nationwide. Mm. Um, I would love to have, um, four main hubs running in the United States in all four corners. Um, there's a lot of support, like I said, in the States that I mentioned, oh, no. um, I mean, and a lot all the way up to the top, I mean, uh, governor Abbott, and their team is phenomenal. Um, mm. the Santas and the people in Florida are phenomenal. Um, they have a major problem in Florida, of course. I've been saying that for years. Thank you for uh, verifying that. That's good. Oh, Escambia County, Pensacola, man. They disappear three a week. Oh, they just disappear like aliens are pulling them into the sky. I mean, it's amazing oh, how many children are disappearing out of Pensacola region. Hmm. And, you know, um, there's a lot going on in Pensacola. Yeah. There's a lot of vets in Pensacola. I bet I can set me up a pretty nice setup. You could. You definitely could. Now, Funding, you know, we we know that you know being security contractors, we get paid unbelievably well, and I'm, I'm sure you get paid in in that organization you still run. That's awesome. Now, how are you getting uh, funding? I see you got a donate button, but are there any other ways you're getting funding for Mission America Foundation? Well, I have stated in the state of Tennessee that I will take zero appropriations from the state um, because of relationships in our political spectrum. I do not want to have any ties that come back and said I got favor. If you yeah. look into uh, right. anything, if you Google me, you'll see that even when I didn't, I got blamed for it in my private in my private business, which yeah. is crazy. Um, it's hard to hard to finagle a no bid contract, but whatever. Um, you and very surprisingly, I pretty much fund myself. It wow. says donate. I think uh, this nine ninety that'll come out in the next uh, quarter is probably going to be about. $2,500. Nice. Okay. Nice. I don't take a salary. 
um, from my nonprofit. I'm very anti that um, unless that's all you do. Yeah. We have we have multiple companies, and I'm very fortunate to have a team of partners and uh, guys around me that help us run our other companies that I can mm. focus on this. Um, and you know, every now and again, you'll get somebody that really wants to get involved. Like we're in the process, we want to build a restoration campus. Okay, a restoration campus on 1,500 acres. It'll house 150. I mean, that's a lot of money, a lot of a lot of staffing, but it's going to happen. And wow. we're very fortunate to have a relationship with a guy out of Michigan that's wanting to get behind the whole thing. But it'll only go towards that, right? Yeah. Um, wow. It'll be towards the medical staff. We don't believe in volunteers. When my guys go out in the streets and they put their life on the line, they get paid to be there. Good. good I mean, good. They, every one of them would do it for free, but they get paid to be there. Because you know what? Mama's going to ask questions at the end of the day. You're out there 18 hours. Why in the hell are you getting paid? You know, the baby needs diapers and whatnot. And so... Um, I, I've been with other organizations that believe it's an all volunteer force. I don't, um, whenever yeah. somebody's putting their butt on the line, they need to be compensated and they're not just, you know, $9 and they need to be compensated like they're in Afghanistan. And ah, I love it. Love it. Love it. And and if I could put like a guy crushing it. Good America, job. If I could put a guy in America to work in America from 450 to $500 a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, the low end or the high end right now, when, when we pulled out of Iraq, I think Basra was 550 a day to still run the roads with no big green support. Yeah. That's insane. I remember. Who's going to do that? Well, I mean, when, when in the beginning it was two grand a day, you know, and yeah. for 120 days, it was good money. Yeah. It was, it was, it's been 10 years since I was involved in, you know, thousand dollars a day. That's in expenses. That was, that was what, that's whatever I was making pretty much. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money back then. And uh, so I, I appreciate your like you know taking care of everyone because it does make a difference. They're going to perform better. Uh, they don't have to worry about that. They can focus on the job mission, and uh, and really uh, and do and obviously, like you're talking about, do a really good do a really good job. So those guys that are former military uh, are probably chomping at the bits right now when they start to watch this and 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 want to get involved. That's good. I hope you get a lot That'd of. It'd be awesome. Uh, it would be awesome to be able to stand like I said to stand this up in all four corners. Our, our, our original model looks, um, you know, it's very self-explanatory. Once um, you can establish a 10 to 15 person team in every yeah. region. And they, like I said, they go through a lot of on your tra- on training already through what they've already been trained in. Yeah. You know, uh, human is probably the most important part of it. Um, um, and then if your surveillance, counter surveillance and everything that goes without, it's a big part of it. And we have the experts, and we don't have the experts. We bring in the experts. And right. I, I, my company mantra with Pale Horses, I do not have to be a ninja when I have a battalion of ninjas. <laughs> and right. I am very blessed to have a lot of people. I'm sure you and I have some of the friends from the past, especially from where you came from, yeah. that um, that are uh, that, that we are in the same circles with. Wow. And have been Good. for 20 years or better. Yeah. Um, and I get throw names, but I will. Uh, but but they have the passion for it, and um, obviously the skill set, yeah, and the understanding yes. that the, the mission is bigger than they are, which is huge. Yeah, you know. And you know what I love and, about I mean, this is, you know, we have been given our time, our energy, and our sometimes our lives overseas to help all these other countries. We need it here, probably more than any time in our history right now. Yes, sir. 
All right. Very, very good. So Aaron's Brad Lane and Mission America Foundation, we we really salute you and appreciate your work. Thanks very much. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time. And again, I love what you do and what you have done. And keep being the voice, man. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I hear your name a lot uh, out there in the world. So um, yeah, please Dear. keep keep making the, the voices heard. And of course, I think, uh, as I call him, uh, Hollywood Brad, for bringing us together. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and then I look forward to wherever else he's going to take me. But, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, if, you, if you get something big that you want to talk about, you know, uh, hit me up and uh, we'll, we'll get you on again. That'd be great. Absolutely. Um, thank you again very much. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to Unleashing Intuition Secrets, the podcast. Until next time, stay in the love vibration as you continue your journey to become the master of your reality. Thank you.